Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Yeah, what an awesome video. Uh, Jennifer Trammell back there. If you happen to see her uh, today, you can get her autograph uh, along the way. But uh, uh, she and Kelly did just an incredible job uh, just on that and just conveyed so much of the heart of where we're going over these next few weeks, and so blessed just by their skills and willingness uh, just to do that. Just an incredible, um, incredible video, incredible reality that they convey, right? Well, I'm excited to jump into uh, this series called Surviving the Wild. We've been in the wild, and for several weeks, we've been finding north. We've been saying this is what we know to be true about the greatness and goodness of our God, about the truth of his word, that we have been given a map. I don't, know, I don't know exactly how you did that trick, Jennifer, when you like turn and like your map becomes the Bible. That was awesome. By the way, if you could show me how to do that later, that'd be super cool. But, but there's this reality, right, that we are in the midst of this crazy world. And it is a wild, it is, it is a mess, right? We looked last week and we saw just the brokenness, right, that, that because of the fall that this world is broken, we find ourselves. Uh, broken in the midst of the craziness. And there are, there are crazy people out there. I don't know um, how many of you have had conversations with maybe your kids and you've said, hey, you got to watch out because there are evil people out there. My, my little girl was, uh, who's 15 years old. I guess it's been maybe a year or two ago. Pastor Chris was, uh, she, she was in the car. I think it was at the Balo Shopping Center, if I remember correctly. And um, she looked back at Chris like he was so mean. And so she said, hey, I don't want to go inside. You know, that's what kids do when they go over. They're like, I'll, I'll just hang out. You and mom go shop. And so she's hanging out in the car. Well, uh, Pastor Chris comes up and kind of sneaks up beside the car and opens her door, door and reaches in uh, after her. And it, it scared you just a little bit, didn't it? <laughs> like now, as soon, like I can step out of the car and instantly you hear, click, right? It's immediately Locked. Even if her mom's in there, like if I go out, she's like, lock the door. <laughs> you never know who's out there, right? And, and so you see those kind of posts and they're kind of tips for uh, people to be aware of predators. There's advice that's out there that says, hey, maybe if you're uh, hanging out and somebody pulls up beside you on the sidewalk and walks up, or maybe asks you to walk up to their car and they say, hey, um, I'm trying to get some directions. Can you tell me a little bit about this? And then all of a sudden they pull a gun and tell you to get in the car. The advice that they give is to run the opposite direction as fast as you can because you are much more likely uh, to survive by doing that than to get in the vehicle, right? We see crazy things online about predators, like these online predators. We, we see people, like I, occasionally you'll see people like in the news where they've pretended to be like a 12-year-old girl and they begin social media interaction with someone and we see those kind of things. So we're always trying to tell our kids, hey, unless you actually know that person, like, uh, you know, the, the whole social media conversation is a whole different story. But if, if your kids are going to have that, like if they don't know them, I don't care if they're like a friend of a friend of a friend. Like if they don't know them, they just shouldn't, I mean, they have no place there, right? And so there's this connection, but we see those kind of people. And so there's all this craziness out there. They say like these lady joggers that say you're like jogging along and, and you see uh, some uh, body there and all of a sudden there's like a caution tape up and there's a guy that you know, he's dressed up like he's working for the park service. And he's like, hey, I'm sorry, detour, just come down this road. And he lures them into danger, right? He lures them in uh, to a place where he could attack them or he could do that. And they say, hey, if you see that, the best thing to do is just turn around and run uh, on the road that has been less traveled. People, people are nervous when you're out there. And sometimes we're nervous. I, I saw an older couple 
that was broken down on the side of the road, and there was a lady that was walking from their vehicle. She was probably, I don't know, a couple hundred yards from the vehicle, and I saw the older couple there. I saw her, you know, walking back toward town. Uh, They were heading out 64 West, and so I thought, you know, I'll stop and give them a hand, and so I pull in, and you can tell that they are absolutely petrified. Like, I mean, I must have looked serious, (laughs) like, because they were... Like, I got the Cowie Baptist tag on my car, you know, and I'm like, I got my card in there, and they're like, they don't even want to roll down the window. I'm like, hey, can I help you guys? You know, they're like, <laughs> it's like the kid, right? They, they say, don't talk to strangers, and the kid comes up. We, we're on a, a little uh, youth trip one time, and this one guy, he's about 6'5", we were handing out tracts and talking to people and just asking them questions about, you know, following Christ and different things there, and, and I like watched this from a distance. He had sunglasses on and everything. We we're in the outlet mall at Pigeon Forge, and he's standing there with those sunglasses on, and he looks down at this little girl, and he's got lollipops, and he says, would you like some candy, little girl? And the little girl, like she had learned well, like she runs as fast and far as she can go, right? We see the sketchy white van, and we're like, no, it's the white van. You don't even get near that thing. But here's the reality. There's those physical things that are in our world that we can see. But what I want to encourage you, what I want to maybe discourage you and then encourage you with is there's a battle that's raging that we can't see, and that what we see in this world, that there is more than meets the eye. And there's a predator, right, whose schemes are more clever than anything we could imagine, who uh, Jesus said, comes, but nothing but to still kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. And we want to experience that kind of life. And that's not life outside of this world when we go to heaven, but it's life beginning in Christ as we follow him and walk in his way. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter six. You can take uh, your copy of God's word and turn there. We're going to put some verses on the screen. We'll be bouncing around a little bit, but we're going to begin to look at who this enemy is at this reality that we uh, are sent in this world. Kelly quoted some, some uh, pieces or some pointing to some things that Jesus said in John 17 that we see that we're actually sent into the midst of this world. We saw a Clarkson mission team that's being sent into the midst of this world, sent into Clarkson where the world gathers, where so many religions, the people that we will encounter there are from all over the world, right? The most diverse square mile in the world, people that are, are worshiping uh, gods of all kinds of countries and things that we're going to have the opportunity uh, to share the good news of the gospel, right? And to encounter in these coming weeks. We've been sent on mission for the glory of his name. And Jesus didn't pray, right? When we come to Christ, we don't get removed from this world. Jesus said, I don't pray that you would take them from this world, that you would remove them from this world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. And so we see that there is an evil one. And we're going to look today at this reality. Let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Uh, there's an enemy, all right? We're under attack. We saw it last week in the garden. We saw that, that Satan tempted, and that in those moments, we saw humanity join in rebellion to their loving creator, and we see the results. But we are not without hope, and we are not without help. And so we're going to lean in. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Scripture says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle, I want y'all to hear that, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Uh, Point number one, I want to just encourage you that God desires that his children, right? He calls his children to recognize their weakness and to rely on his strength. Verse 10 said, be strong 
in the Lord and in his mighty power. In the Greek, the word for be strong, it is in a tense that tells us so much about this verse that we can miss as we read by. It is in the passive imperative tense. And so what we see is a better rendition of that would be be made strong in the Lord. That we would see that there's something happening in the Lord. That our strength right, is in him and he is making us strong. Here's a truth that we all need to recognize that, that the strength for this battle, it is only found in him. This morning in Sunday school, I, I made this little rhyme and I loved it. And, and we are, I said this, I think, something like this. We are no match for them, but don't misunderstand me. They are no match for him. In our own strength, we, we, we are no match for the enemy, but the enemy is no match for our Lord, 1 John 4, verse 4 says this, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so we ask this question, who is the enemy? Mallard Erickson says this, there are superhuman but not divine beings who work within human history. Some of these who remain faithful to God carry out his work. Others who fell from their created state of holiness live, in, live to oppose God and his children. God's care and concern for his creation is evident in the ministrations of good angels. By contrast, Satan and his minions seek to thwart the purposes of God. But don't miss the last thing that he says. But God has limited their powers. We have a God who is sovereign in the midst of all this mess that we are in. C.S. Lewis said, there's not a square inch. I don't remember the exact wording, but he said, there's not a square inch or a split second. Uh, that is not laid uh, claim by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and is not counterclaimed by Satan in opposition. But we know uh, that our God is uh, so much greater. We, we sometimes picture this battle, right, of Satan uh, and God and almost like these two equals that are uh, battling. But I want you to get that out of your head that we see uh, Lucifer, we see Satan as a created being that is no match for our great. God. Let's look in verse 11. He said, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So point number two, God calls his children to recognize the enemy, to see his schemes, and to be ready for battle. Now, if you're following along in uh, the talk notes in our app, uh, if you don't have the app, there's a, a spot uh, in there that you'll see some fill in the blanks. You'll see some of these quotes uh, along the way, uh, but you'll see those fill in the blanks uh, there. But God calls his children to recognize the enemy, to see his schemes, and to be ready for battle. Now, here's this truth. If we know who the enemy is, we can prepare for the battle. Now, I remember when I played football in high school, uh, we had some interesting times on Saturday morning. Now, we would play on Friday night, and then we had an opportunity uh, to gather down at the field house, and Coach Brown would be down there, and they would have game film from the day before. And and we're going to look in, in the coming weeks. When we see this battle that we're in, we, we hear many times and we see in Scripture that, that we have some enemies, right? That we have the world, the flesh, and the devil. We see those kind of things. And we're starting with the devil today. But we're going to see uh, that, that there's a reality, right, that in our flesh, uh, we're going to look at this doctrine of original sin. We're going to look at how that impacts our life. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at how Satan works uh, and, and all the things that Satan sets up in this world system. Next week, uh, I'm, I'm going to go down on Sunday following church. We're going to be looking at this 
this world system. We're going to look uh, at, at how Satan is structuring and working all these things uh, in the midst of our world and the way that he works, right? Our flesh desires the things that Satan gives us in the midst of this world system, right? That, the nature that we have, the way that we do, and, and he feeds those kind of things uh, in, in our lives, right? And we see just this propensity, right? That we're born sinners by nature and by choice. We're going to look at those things, but we see this battle that we are in. And when we look at ourselves, right, we can see, we would watch that game film and we would remember like, hey, well, this is where we were supposed to come off the line this way. This is how we were supposed to react uh, as a linebacker when, when this person took this step, or this is the kind of things that were there. And then later in the week, they would have accumulated film from the other team, right? And we would sit in that locker room and we would look and we would see all of these ways that, that, that the other team would play. And there would be things that we could know that when they lined up in an eye formation, that you better watch that fullback because they're going to be uh, handing it off to him. Or, or when they had a tight end on this side and two wide receivers on this side, that you could know that, that many times what would happen is they would come over and somebody would run across. And so we would know, hey, at this point, this is how we're going to react. So we would watch that film, and the Lord has given us in his word uh, the ability to look at some game film, right, and to look and study uh, a bit about uh, these fallen angels, to study about this realm that we're that we see, right, this invisible war that's around us. And so we see that we're to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So we're going to look at this leader of these fallen angels, right? We see the word devil, this word that uh, gives us this picture of, of what he does and who he really is, slanderous and backbiting, right? Jesus said that he is the father of lies, like there's no truth in him, right? And we see him take and twist the word of God. That's what we saw in, in the Garden of Eden. That, that's what we saw in, in our lives in so many places where, where Satan loves to take the truth of God's word. He loves to twist it. He loves to, uh, to take it and, and use it uh, in opposition to us, right? He, the Hebrew name, uh, the Satan, right? It's derived uh, from th this verb, which means to act as an adversary. And so we see that we have this adversary. We see uh, this enemy. We see uh, this picture that, that, that there's this enemy that is at war, right? That loves to steal, kill, and to destroy that that loves nothing more, that roams about, the scripture says, as a roaring lion, right, seeking whom he may devour. But we see that scripture teaches us that Satan wasn't always the adversary. In fact, years and years ago, Satan was actually an angel, one of God's best and most beautiful angels. We know him as Lucifer. He's referred to as one of the Right, these, these, this is referred to as uh, the morning star. We'll see that in uh, the passages ahead. And so what happened in the midst of this? We're going to be uh, in Isaiah chapter 14, so you can turn there if you want. But we see uh, that Satan had rebelled against God, that he had this desire, right? And he wanted to be like God. And, and here's his mission, right? To lead as many people into that same rebellion as he can. He wanted to be like God, Lucifer, this morning star, this beautiful angel, he, he said, hey, I, I will, I will, I will. You're going to see in this passage in Isaiah five times, he says, I will. We see his pride and his desire to be like God. Verse 12 uh, says this, how have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to earth, you who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. He said, I'm going to ascend. I want the glory that belongs only to God. Satan says, I will ascend. I will be like God. He said, I will make myself, verse 14, like the most 
high. Nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol to the recesses of the pit. Uh, Revelation 12, uh, verse 4, we see that, that God cast Satan out, right? That he cast him out of heaven and a third of uh, the angels followed him. And most people believe that those are the demons that we deal with today, right? Verse 7 of Revelation chapter 12, you'll see some uh, other things that we can, can learn and glean from. Scripture says this, and there was a war in heaven, Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels waged war. But look at verse 8, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon who was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So we see these things that Scripture allows us to see uh, about our adversary. Now, some of you may ask these questions like, well, when did they come on the scene? Right? I don't remember the story. Like, when, when, did they, when did they show up? Like, when were the angels created? How, how did all those things come about, right? And there's some, uh, some places we can find a little insight into that. Job 38, a passage that I love. Uh, I love the way that God, uh, uh, the way our great God uh, responds to Job in, the, in this passage. And in Job 38, verse 4 through 7, he says this, Where were you? Where were you at when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements since you know or stretched the line on it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now these morning stars are uh, the angels. And when God made the earth, what we see is as God created and spoke this world into existence, that there's, there's, there's a heavenly choir of angels, right, that are rejoicing and singing and praising the greatness of our God. So these angels are created uh, before the earth, right, and, and the rebellion and the eviction happened sometime before Genesis 3 because we show, uh, we see this shown up uh, in the garden, right? We know those things about it. In verse tw- chapter 6, verse 12 of Ephesians, it says this, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and then there's a list of the, who our struggle is with, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Can y'all just say the struggle's real? See, the struggle's real, and we know that, right? And, and there's parts of this reality of this struggle that it's easy for us to see. We recognize that our struggle is real. And this word struggle, uh, the other sport that I did in high school was wrestling. And, and this word struggle, it is this picture of hand-to-hand combat. So when we look at this, this reality of this invisible war, we recognize that there is a supernatural element to this, that, there, uh, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? We see this list, right? And we see that the picture of this, and many people believe that there's a hierarchy in the midst of these demons. And we can see some of that in this passage. But what we wrestle against is not flesh and blood, but against principalities and the powers, all these kind of things, right? We see that this spiritual battle's there. But in the midst of that word struggle, we see that it is also personal, right? That we, every one of us, right? We struggle, we wrestle. And it's this hand-to-hand combat. It's this picture of this sweaty straining. Like I remember a couple things about wrestling, right? If you let your guard down and if you stop, you're going to get whipped, right? And if you're not good in, in good enough shape, like it's the longest six minutes of life. Right? It's like you're going at it, right? And there's this struggle that is there. It's like this swaying back and forth and this wrestling. And he says, this is the battle. And he said, we struggle in this battle, but it's not against flesh and blood, right? It's supernatural. It's personal. 
And we see how God uses the world, how God uses our flesh against us, or how Satan uses uh, this world system and how Satan uses uh, our flesh, right? Our sinful nature in the midst of it. And he's got temptation that's tailor-made for every one of you, right? Now, we, we can see that Satan has temptation that's tailor-made to trip us up, right? That he's ready to pounce, that he's roaming about like a roaring lion. Now, there's some things you need to know about Satan. There's some things that you need to understand about him in comparison to our great God. We see in this passage that, that there's structure, right? And I believe that, that the system, right, that, that Satan works in is structured for maximum destruction, that he desires uh, to destroy in that the schemes of the devil. Even that word points to this structure, this, this sense, this method, the way of doing things. We think about the craftiness of those people that are trying to lure in like ladies and joggers and people that are predators and all those kind of things, the way they're trying to work in that. Uh, even the word schemes, right? It's the word that we would get method from and it gets this systematic look, this, this logical arrangement, right? That he sneaks in and lurks in and, and, and Satan attacks in, in ways that we least expect it through people sometimes that we least expect it from. But what Satan tries to do, he's always trying to be like God. And the way that he works tries to mimic the omnipresence of our God. But what you need to understand is Satan is not omnipresent. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere all the time, right? We said that he is transcendent, that he sits above creation, but that he is imminent and he is within creation, that he is uh, omnipresent present, right? That he is everywhere, that he is omniscient, that he is all-knowing, right? Satan is not all-knowing, right? We see that our great God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful, right? We see Satan is powerful, but he is not all-powerful, and he is no match for our great God. But I believe that they are networked, right? Like it's got like a, we got like a text messaging system, you know, that we can say, hey, just a reminder, this is going on. Like there's a network somehow in the midst of all the minions of hell, right? That they're uh, in the midst and, and, and they're, uh, they're, uh, they're well organized and well working to cause destruction in this world. So somebody says, how big is this uh, myriad of minions, right? And we see words through scripture that point to just the size of this. And what we do know uh, in verse four of Revelation chapter 12, that his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And so we see this uh, third of the angels cast down. And so I don't want you to focus so much on this third, but I want you to focus on the opposite side of that, right? That there are two thirds of the angels that are uh, still at work in ministering. These uh, angels that we see in God's army. Now there's this battle. There's these, this unseen battle. There's all these things that are going on. And some of this gets bigger than uh, our mind, right? Can, can get, I love in second uh, Kings chapter six, where uh, there's a glimpse given kind of into the, uh, into the invisible realm, right? There's this glimpse given. It says the, uh, in verse 14, he says, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, he looked, and there's this army that is all around them. And he's freaking out. He's like, oh my goodness, we are in a mess. And he, he says, hey, uh, an army with horses and chariots were circling the city. And his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? And so he answered and said, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I can imagine in that moment, the attendant's like, one, like you're counting. He's like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. Like your mass, not so good. And then in verse 17, it says, Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God allowed them to see a glimpse of this 
this realm that was around them. Man, there's a lot of stuff when we study Satan and his demons and we study this spiritual warfare. There's a lot of things as we look in there. There's some things that don't fit in my box. There's some things that, that I read and know are realities, man, that mess with our mind. But there's some things that we can know. There's some things that we can, can look at as we walk through this. And we're going to do that. There's some, some natural tendencies that we can have that are dangerous. We can have some unhealthy ways that we respond to uh, just kind of talking about some of this and really looking at this spiritual realm. Uh, the first thing we can do is just kind of pretend like it doesn't exist. We can just say, you know what, we're, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, we're just going to live like there's really no enemy and there's no demons and there's none of that because that doesn't fit in our little box real good. And, and we live in a culture that tries to explain everything by science and we have to... It's like we just, we're just going to pull back from that. And you know what's interesting is Barna studies say that four out of ten evangelical Christians, people that would profess to follow Christ, agree that Satan is not a living being but a symbol of evil. An additional two out of ten Christians say they agree somewhat with that perspective. And so there's a minority of Christians that really believe that there is a devil, that there is the Satan, that there is this, this battle that is raging. And it is evident through the scriptures that Jesus believed this battle was raging. It is evident that from the very beginning that God's holy, infallible, inerrant word uh, tells us of this battle. We see it uh, from the very beginning in the garden. We see it in Chronicles. We see it through the scriptures. And we can see I think in the New Testament alone, Satan is mentioned like 250 times. We see this reality of this battle. And so we can just have this, like, I'm going to pull back and pretend like it doesn't exist. And fact is, in some ways, I think that's how Satan wants us to live in the midst of this culture that we're in. I think there's a couple of extremes that can happen that way. We can look and we can get so, like, overtaken that, that the devil did everything. Like, there's, it can be this unnatural uh, or this, this like, over. Uh, emphasis on it. It's like the Flip Wilson kind of theology that says, hey, the devil made me do it. Like no matter what uh, you happen. I don't know if you, I remember when I was uh, younger, I used to watch uh, Saturday Night Live. Y'all don't like, it was like a long time back, like before I was saved. So y'all can't get after me, right? So, but y'all are holier than that, right? Y'all never did anything. So, but I can remember like the church lady on there. Y'all remember her? Like, no, y'all don't because y'all never watched it. Y'all were probably, but but the church lady, she would always say, she'd say, hmm, what could have possessed you to do such a thing? I don't know. Could it be Satan? Some of y'all confess your sins, right? So, so we see that kind of thing, right? The other thing that can happen is we can have this paralyzing fear where we're like, I'm not going out. Like, I'm, 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 I don't, I'm just this. I'm, I'm like reading my Bible all the time and never move, like constant prayer. That's what that prayer without ceasing meant. Like we can have this paralyzing fear and God doesn't want us to have that, right? We see that, that our God is much greater and that we're on mission, that we're, we're to live in the midst of that. There's this, this preoccupation, right? Where there can be this thing where, where it's like the devil under every rock. Y'all remember when I fell off the trampoline? I mean, it's kind of like, oh yeah, like Satan must have pushed me off. No, 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 no. I, I, was, I was way too big for that trampoline. I've been sitting out in the field forever. The, the net got dry rotted and, and I hit it way too hard and went through it because I'm a goober, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, so everything, we can get this overemphasis on that, but we've got to understand that we've, we've got to take him seriously. We've got, we've got to have this, this, this reality that we understand that there's a spiritual battle, and we've got to be careful that we don't dabble in the things of this world, and we don't dabble in the occult, that we don't dabble uh, in these things that, that open up uh, the door. We've got to stay away from that, right? There's only two spirits 
right, in this world, right? And, and what we've got to understand it is either God's angels or they are demons. And we need to stay away. Like, like people go like, consult a medium. Like you see the, the, the people that are like, hey, I'll read you little tarot cards and I'll tell you all this kind of stuff. And then you see them out of business the next week. You thought they would have predicted that, right? But there's kind of like, <laughs> I know, right? Sorry. And so like, <laughs> we're going to have to listen together really good and go quick because, um, <laughs> all right, I'm like the fat man trying to get under the barbed wire fence. Just a few more points, and I'll be through. Y'all hang with me, okay? So, so here's this thing. <laughs> like, like horoscopes and astrology and all these things. Listen, followers of Jesus Christ has, have no business dabbling in those things. And some of you might say, well, you know, I'm trying to seek after knowledge. I'm trying uh, to seek after these kind of things. And God has given you a book, and he has given you his spirit, and he has given you godly wisdom from other councils, and we need to stay away from those kind of things. From Ouija, where there, There's a reality uh, of this spiritual battle that's going on, and we need to be careful. Like some of y'all thinking y'all talking to your dead uncle. His name is Lucifer, okay? I want you to understand, it's like... Man, none of, none of the first service got any of this. Like, I, it's all free right now. Um, <laughs> there's no telling where we're going to land. And so here's the reality, though. We've got to be careful. We've got to not over uh, get into this thing. But Satan is, is our adversary, right? And he is a deceiver, and he is evil. The truth is not in him. And so what we are called to do is to be sober, right? To be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We see this reality. He, he, he twists the truth. He, he, he comes and, and disguises himself, the scripture says, as an angel of light. We see these kind of things. He shows up when we least expect it. He shows up in places that we don't expect, and he fuels our fleshly desires. He fuels all those things, the world system, everything. He is working, right? He's crafty. He is doing all those things, but I want to remind you that while that's some discouraging news to think about all that stuff that's out there, I want to remind you, church, that we fight from victory. We are not fighting for victory, that we are fighting a defeated foe, that we're fighting one that has already been defeated. But understand, he is still doing all the havoc and trying to cause as much destruction as he can. He's still causing problems, right? Saddam Hussein, uh, in the, when his army was driven out of Kuwait in the Gulf War, right, on his way out, he knew he had lost, but his army destroyed every oil well that they could. They set fire and they did as much destruction as they could. And Satan is a defeated foe. And I want you to understand, he's doing as much destruction as he can. And he desires, right, to disarm and he desires to, to work in a way that ruins our witness, that causes us to fall to temptation. He desires to do that, and God has called his children. Point number three, last one you thought we'd never get here. God calls his children to resist the devil and to run to him, to run to God, right? He calls them to do that. Satan desires to render you ineffective, but James gives us some great wisdom in verse 7 and verse 8 of chapter 4. We might even have to go back further, but... No, we better stay focused, stay focused. All right, so we're going to, James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This word uh, resist, it's this military term. It's a similar kind of term that we see uh, about the struggle, right, that we battle. And there's this thought that, that we are to resist, that we are to battle, that we are to stand against him in combat, that we recognize who our enemy is. We recognize that there is a battle and we stand. Thomas Brooks, uh, a Puritan writer, said this, uh, just an amazing uh, truth in here. He listed 10 ways that we can resist the devil, and I loved uh, some of those. I'm going to give you three of them. Number one was to be ruled by the word, to be ruled by the word. 
when men throw off the word, he said, then God throws off them and then Satan takes them by the hand and leads them into snares at his pleasure. So we're ruled by the word. And, and, and what that means is that we read the word of God and we read it not just so that we can check a box, but we read it because we uh, desire to walk in obedience to the truth of God's word. We read it and we do what it says, right? We need to learn more and more of who God is. We need to learn more and more of his word. We need to do all those things. But I'm gonna tell you, it'd change the world if a group of believers just did what they already know. If we just applied what we already know, it would change this world, right? We're going to be ruled by the world, world, word, not the world. Number two, we're going to resist the first stirring of temptation. It is safe to resist temptation, Brooke says, and dangerous to dabble in it. He that will play with Satan's bait will be quickly taken with Satan's hook. How many people have seen that? Right? Like, like we as the church, right? We're called out of this world, right? We're in it, but we're called out of it, and we're not to dabble with the things of this world. And when temptation comes, we recognize it. We stand against it. When it's sexual temptation, when it's uh, immorality, when it's those kind of things, right? We see all these places that we're to stand and fight, but then we recognize that there's this temptation that comes. And Paul says, hey, run from that. Flee sexual immorality. Flee those kind of things. He said, there's times, right, that we run, that we get in that mid. And, and God promises that we can resist temptation, right? But we got to be careful because once we dabble in that temptation, we can get further than we ever thought we would get. Number three, be constantly on guard. The soul that will not watch against temptations, this is Brooks, he says, will certainly fall before the power of temptations. Satan strengthens his assault when the soul grows drowsy and careless. So be constantly on guard. Watchfulness is nothing else but the soul running up and down, to and fro, busy everywhere. It is the heart busied and employed with diligent observation of what comes from within us. Right? We need to watch the game film and see what we're doing, but then also what comes from without us and into us. The weapons of our warfare are different. We see in Ephesians 6 that there are things like truth, righteousness, peace, faith, the word of God, right, our salvation. We see the weapons of this warfare are different. But I want to tell you something. There's a promise that we have that if we would resist the devil, if we would rest in that, if we would submit ourselves to God, that word submit, it's surrender, right? It's saying, God, I recognize my weakness in this battle. I recognize how dependent I am on your strength. And when we submit to God in that way and we say, God, I know that there's a, there's a battle out here. There's an enemy that's bigger than me. I, I understand how weak I am in comparison, but I know how great you are. And so I come in submission to you, God. I submit myself to your word. I'm going to lean into your word. I'm going to do what it says. God, I'm dependent on you every day. I come in surrender and submission, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist the devil. And we do that by applying the word of God. We do that in prayer. We do that, right, in the authority of Jesus Christ, right? We, we resist the devil, not in our own strength, but because we are being made strong in him, in the power of Christ in us, right? The, we, the resurrection, right, is it, we see Satan is a defeated foe, right? That, that he has been whipped, right? That the battle is won and we fight from victory. And that same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the scripture says, lives in us. And we need to remind ourselves every day of the resurrection. And, and, and we need to live in the power of the resurrection, uh, not as uh, these people walking around as defeated Eeyores, like, like worried about Satan coming out from every rock, but people that are claiming the victory of Jesus Christ and saying, you know what? Greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. And, and I'm going to stick to his word, right? His word is a, lamp, a light into my path and a lamp into my feet, right? I'm going to hide his word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. I'm going to trust that, that my God is greater, and I'm going to be reminded of who he is, and I'm going to live on mission for the glory of his name and overflow. I, I'm going to be filled with the Spirit, right? The Scripture says when we're filled with the Spirit that we wouldn't fulfill, that we wouldn't walk in the desires of the flesh, right? I'm going to live my life in that way, and we're going to seek him 
And, and here's the beautiful thing about this promise, right? He says that, that we can draw near to God. And then there's this promise that God would draw near to us. And here's the beautiful thing, no matter where you're at this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if, you've, if, if you feel like maybe you've strayed from the, just the pursuit of Christ, maybe you've, you've gotten off track, maybe you've, you, know, you, you recognize that you're not where you need to be, the Bible says that if you'll draw near to him, that he'll draw near to you, that this morning you'll leave here as close to God as you want to be. Right, we looked at the story of the prodigal son the other week. So we saw the son, the scripture says that he came to his senses. He started coming home. He prepared the apology letter. He prepared all those things. But when he got home, man, the father saw him a long way off, right? And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion to him. God knows your heart, right? He, and he ran to him and he embraced him, right? We see this beautiful picture of God's love. And we will be as close to him as we desire to be this morning. And we come to him in prayer, right? There's this intimacy, this oneness this closer closeness that is available to every one of us. And we draw near to God. We call his name. We draw near to him in prayer and submission. We draw near to him in prayer and surrender. We have this desire to walk in him. And if you've never trusted Jesus, if you've never trusted Jesus, Ephesians 2, scripture says that, I'm gonna give you just a little bit of the condition that you're in. This is all free too. Um, first service didn't get this either, but it says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air. Right, he said, this is who you were. And he's writing to those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. He's writing to believers and he says, this is who you used to be. He said, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, according to the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. He says, among them, too, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, the world, the flesh, the devil. We see it all in that passage. But then in verse 4, it says, But God, who was rich in mercy, right? This is who our God is because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, has made us alive together with Christ, that it's by grace that you've been saved. And here's the reality you are either on one of two teams. There's no neutral ground in this humor. I want you to understand you're on one of two teams. And here's the beauty of the gospel. See, the gospel says, that we need to understand that it's not just that we've made mistakes. It's not just that we, we've done uh, some of these things that are wrong. It's not just that we uh, have, have all, well, Satan, you know, devil made me do it. it. We need to understand that we are sinners separated from a holy God. We are sinners by nature and by choice, and we are, are under the wrath of God because of our sin. But the beauty, of this, the beauty of this passage in verse 13, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off, separated from God because of our sin, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And, and the beauty of the gospel is that if we, if we are willing to turn from our sin and turn to him and surrender our lives to him, that those who are far off are brought near through the blood of Christ. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, you can surrender your life to him this morning. You can call on his name. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord, that means he's in charge and not us. See, that was the problem with Satan. Satan said, I'm going to be in charge. I'm number one. I will. I will. I will. But on the cross of Christ, right? And in the garden, Jesus knelt and said, not my will, but yours be done. And we see the submission of our Savior, right? We see him walk in the plans and fulfill every purpose of God in the cross, and we have an opportunity 
that we can be made right with a holy God through repentance and faith in him. And if you don't know Jesus, you can call on his name this morning. And those of you who are far off will be brought near. Those of you who have drifted and are far off in these moments or have, uh, or, or have uh, not been walking in the closeness and fellowship with God, he says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. You're as close to God as you want to be this morning. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? We're going to worship the Lord together. If, if there are any of you that have never trusted Jesus and he is speaking to your heart this morning, I invite you to come, to turn from your sin, to turn from your desires, your ways, from saying, I will do this, I will do that, to come in submission and surrender to a great and mighty God who has paid all of our sin debt on the cross. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of his glory that he loved us in the midst of our sin. And he gave himself for us. And he offers us salvation. That it's by grace, his goodness and grace, that we're saved through faith, through believing in the finished work of the cross. And that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Nothing we could do to earn it, nothing we could do to deserve it, but a free gift of his grace. Will you accept that gift today? Will you receive Lord, we love you. We pray, God, that you might help us all walk away from this place closer than we came in. Lord, that we all would draw near to you in these next moments. Father, that we would draw near in prayer. God, that we would draw near, God, in our posture. Lord, that we, God, there's nobody that comes to you, Lord, that's not bowed down. Lord, that it is in surrender and submission, Lord, that we approach the very throne room of heaven, God. And so we pray, God, that it would be that posture that we would approach you. And Lord, that we would draw near and that you would draw near to us, Lord, and there would be something supernatural and God and something only you could do that would happen in every heart and life. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. God, we declare that the devil is a defeated foe. Lord, we declare that in the name of Jesus, God, that demons have to flee. God, we, God, we pray and we, we declare, God, Satan is not welcome here. God, we pray you bind him up in these moments, Father. We pray you bind up every devil and demon spirit, Father. We pray, God, that in the name of Jesus, Lord, that not, not simply chanting a name, Lord, but we come in the authority of Christ. Lord, we recognize there's a battle. There's a battle for families in this room. God, there's a battle for marriages around. God, there's a battle for our children. God, there's a battle for truth, Lord. Lord, greater are you that's in us than he that's in the world, God. And we pray, God, that you would, God, that you would do war on our behalf, or that we would stand in your strength. God, we pray, Lord, that even in these moments, Lord, as we worship you and as we pray, God, that we would be made strong in you. God, that we would declare our weakness. Lord, and we would trust you with everything we have. In Jesus' name, Lord, as we stand in worship, be obedient.